Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas to all of you. It's weird to look back on that night, eh? Like now we all know the story so well. We've told it so many times. We know all the lines. We know all the big moments. It's built up to this big legendary thing in our heads. And I guess it should be. It is quite an important event. But see, on the night, it wasn't quite like that. It wasn't this big thing. In fact, on that night, it was was oddly average. I mean, really, in that night, only a few people actually really heard about what happened. Most people just went on like nothing really changed. See, I, I, remember, I remember it. It was because um, it was a crazy time for my country then. Crazy. See, Rome and Caesar and the politicians and the Senate, see, they all wanted to pad out their plush palaces. So they decreed this big old census, right? And what it meant is they wanted to make sure they could squeeze out every last drop of tax money from all the surrounding regions. And it was horrible. It was catastrophic. What it meant is everybody's lives got put on pause. And you'd stop what you're doing. And you often had to travel hundreds and hundreds of miles to go to some city that you were born in, but you haven't been back to since. And once you're there, we all got herded together like cattle into the center of the city. And once we were there, we had people actually counting us counting us, counting our children. They'd then go out and they'd count our flocks. Depending on how many sheep we would have, they would count every single one. Some representative would even go out to your village and go to your vineyard and they would count every single vine, every single grape, every single orchard because they wanted to make sure they could get every last bit of money out of you that they could. You know, and some people ended up in interrogation for hours because of this as they kept pushing, pushing, asking for more, asking for more. And to be honest, who knows how many times they inflated how much we owned just so they could get a little bit more cash off of us. I mean, this didn't affect me too much. It's one of the small benefits of being too poor. Um, All I do is I'm, I'm paid to look after other people's sheep. So I wasn't even actually involved. I heard about a lot of this from my mates uh, who'd been down in the city, and it sounded like people were going through hell in that overstuffed place over there. Like, it's just insane. See, I was just on the outside of town. And, you know, shepherding, it's not like a real flash job. Um, But to be honest, in today's economy, if you don't have rich parents that can give you money for a deposit on a house, you're never going to move up anywhere. So, you know, you you play with the hand that you're dealt. So we looked after sheep, and that was was it. That was fine, you know? And so that night, I remember, it was the same, felt the same as pretty much every other night. I mean, we did the same things that we always did. It was, it was cool. It was calm. There was a wind blowing over the pastures. It was dark. The only lights you could see were just a few lanterns in the distance in the city. And we did the same things we always did. We hung out. We told jokes. Um, we took shifts. Some of us slept while other one of us looked after the sheep so that nothing or no one like went off with them and we didn't get in trouble. And we do what, you know, everybody does when it's night and you're sitting around a fire. You end up swapping stories and just talking about life. And so we'd tell jokes and we'd tell stories. And sure enough, in every group, there's always that one guy at the table around the fire who just always brings it back to politics. And you're like, oh, yeah, this guy. And so sure enough, someone would start complaining about Rome. And they'd start complaining about our King Herod, who's just like this puppet. He does whatever Rome wants us to. Rome says, take more money, he takes more money. Whatever, he's just this puppet. And so he's no representative for us. And sure enough, people would start complaining about that. And someone would be like, we need to rebel. And someone else would be like, no, let's just wait. And then, then there's also the other guy in the group who's like the religious nutcase. You know, we're all trying to find real practical solutions. And here's the guy who pipes up like, but guys, the prophecies. And everyone's just like, no, oh, not this again. See, we've got this thing in our story where, um, look, 
we have this, this prophecy that God's going to come back and he's going to send some magical ruler and they'll be born and then they'll, they'll come up and they'll be this great leader and they'll kick out all the Romans and the Romans will be gone and then we finally get to be that great, rich, prosperous Israel. And look, this guy really loved that story. But I didn't really put too much stock in it. I mean, for 500 years, we've been telling that same story around this campfire. 500 years. One day God's going to send someone. And, you know, you look over history, and pretty much about every 50 years, some new hotshot shows up on the scene, starts calling himself the chosen one of God, manages to hook in a bunch of suckers, and they lead this rebellion. And the same thing happens every time. They lead a rebellion, they try to kick out the oppressors, and they all get killed, the rebellion is squashed, and we end up poorer than we used to be. And so this religious guy can keep saying that all he wants, but I didn't think much was going to change. I thought it was just going to be the way it was, and if I could get some extra food and money on the side, then I was pretty happy, really. And so we just did the same things we always did. But that night, in the middle of the night, this is where everything changed, we were there, it was dark, and suddenly the heavens, the sky just burst with light. It was like the sun jumped over the horizon and landed right in front of us. The ground felt like it was shaking. The air felt like it was vibrating from the energy of it all. And out of this light, this blinding light, this, it's so hard to find words to describe it. It's like this, this being, this person, this thing stepped out from the light. Now, again, I'm not particularly religious, but I've heard stories of when this supernatural being shows up. I've read some of those of our stories. And when an angel or thing shows up like this, normally one of two things happen. Either fire and brimstone start to rain down on you or you're about to get turned into salt. So I was like, I don't want any of this. So I like hit the deck, right? And I cover my head and I think, if I just don't move, maybe this freaky thing will zap one of my mates and I'll be fine. Like take the politics guy, I'll be okay. And so we sit there quietly waiting for like, death to rain down on us from this heavenly being. But it doesn't happen like that. While we're sitting there cowering, we hear this voice that says, guys, don't be afraid. I'm here bringing you good news of great joy. See, today, in the city of David, a child has been born. And he is Christ. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And then as soon as those words left his mouth, everything just got bigger and brighter. I didn't think it could, but the heavens exploded and there was no longer one of the sky. There was like thousands, thousands, and they just littered the sky and they began to sing. And the sound that they made was deafening. It shook Everything. I could have sworn everybody from the hillsides, the whole world must have heard it echoing across the hills. And I sat there trying to cover my ears because the sound was so great, I got enveloped by it. And they began to sing, glory, glory, glory to God. Peace and goodwill on earth to all of humanity, the ones whom God dearly loves. And I don't even know how long the singing went on for. It just kept building and kept building and kept building and suddenly when I thought it couldn't get any bigger it just disappeared we were left back into the darkness and it took a while for our eyes and our ears to adjust and we all kind of sat there like <sighs> and we looked at each other too because we couldn't quite figure out if everybody else had seen the same thing that I'd seen like I'd wonder whether I'd just eaten the wrong plant root or something and just sent me on a bad trip and so we all kind of looking at each other like, ah. Uh. 
Until eventually he's like, did you see that? Yeah, did you see that? Yeah, did you see that? Yeah. And we, we couldn't quite understand it. See, we'd heard stories about when God is supposed to show up, right? God's supposed to meet with people, but he wasn't supposed to be like this. It wasn't supposed to happen like that. See, if God's supposed to meet with us, that's supposed to happen back at our temple. We got this real flash temple back in Jerusalem. Like it's covered in gold and marble. It's got all these cool carvings in it. And at that temple, you have all the priests. You know, they're like the holy people who spent all their time reading those scrolls and they're all clean and dressed in white. Like they're the people that are set apart to go meet with God because they're clean. That place is pretty in gold and that's where God likes to hang out. But suddenly he showed up here on a field to us in this place that just reeks of sheep and dudes who have not showered in way too long of a time. God was here. And rather than us dying, again, if you hear those stories about God, I'm pretty sure it's this thing like if you're unclean, you're going to get zapped by God, right? That was what I'd always thought. But here's us like crass, rude, just dude shepherds. We encountered this divine being and we're all okay. And in fact, that divine being wasn't angry. It was saying peace and goodwill. They were singing with joy. None of it made sense. And so after staring at each other for like, seemed like hours, we were like, we got to go. We got to go see. And so we book it down to Bethlehem. Like we got it. We leave all the sheep, everything behind. You know, we hope it doesn't die or anything. So we make it into Bethlehem and we think, well, now this is awkward. How do you go around finding a newborn baby? So we do the only thing we know how to do. We start knocking on doors in the middle of night. Like, um, excuse me, sir, are there any slightly ex-pregnant women here? Any new childs? No? And so we go, like, we figure if it's going to be God, if it's going to be this ruler, we go to all the big houses. Because we think surely that's where this new king, this royalty person is going to be. So we start knocking on all the flash big houses and everything and knocking. Hey, any kids, any kids, any kids? Got the door slammed in our faces a few times. And pretty soon we knocked on every door, nothing. And then we remembered what the angels had said. We're going to find this baby in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, which is like a feeding trough. So it must be like where animals are. So we we figured, look, let's try it. We book it to the other side of town. We head down towards Cheapside, where all the poor people live and all the animals are contained. And we start knocking on doors there. Been like, have you, has there been a new baby born? Has this been a new thing? And sure enough, Bethlehem's not that big. And we knock on a few doors and they're like, yeah, we heard the lady screaming down there. You want to head that way. And so we go and we make our way to this cave, this barn. It's just this hollowed out place where animals are supposed to be kept. And I remember as we got close to it, the thing that hit me first wasn't like this beautiful idealistic thing. It was, as I got close, the thing that just wafted over me was the stench of it. The smell, you could smell it before you even got close to the door. It's a place, I mean, I'd spent my time with sheep, and I know what sheep do when they got nothing else to do. There was manure everywhere, and it was just wafting through the doors. And then as we got closer, you could smell the smell of blood and and sweat. You know, someone had just given birth in there, and bless this poor couple. They had done the best that they can, but there's only so many places you can shovel dirty hay in one of those places. And so they're getting in there, and we come in, and we see this shell-shocked couple. I, I can't even imagine what these guys would have been through. Like, I don't have any kids yet, but, man, I've heard that birth is just harrowing. So many women die, and so you want to do it in the safest, cleanest place with all of your family and your support networks around you. These people had nothing. They traveled. She was nine months, and she had to come up the hill. She had to climb up the hills to Bethlehem while she was nine months pregnant. would have been horrible. And I look at them, and I'm shocked because what I see 
look, they're not like pristine and perfect by any means. Like she is sweaty and he looks like terrified, right? But they're not like too worried. It's, it's like, it's almost like they're distracted. Like they're tired and they're dirty, but they're distracted by something else. It's like nothing else in the world matters. And we follow their gaze and they're on the side of the room in a feeding trough that normally holds slop for animals. We see this little baby and it's wrapped up tight in these small little cloths, holding all of its limbs in so it doesn't startle itself when it starts flying about, to keep it warm. Look, and it's still covered with blood, and it's still got mucus all over it, and it's just held in there. And I just stare at this child for ages, just looking at him. Because it was so anticlimactic. This is not, this, none of this made sense. See, that guide kept reminding us about these prophecies for ages and ages. All these things we'd been told about God for so, so long, none of it made sense. Like, God is supposed to be pure and holy. Remember, people had to, like, wash, like, 30 billion times before they could even go into the temple. God is supposed to be clean and pure, but here's this representative of God, and he's covered in blood. He's lying in a place designed for food for animals in a barn that still has the scent of manure carrying through it. This isn't where God is supposed to be. God's supposed to be in that beautiful temple, but here he is. And God's supposed to be, like this, this, this baby is supposed to be our ruler, right? Like this is supposed to be the ruler that's going to rise up and get us out of the oppression of the Romans. It's going to lead us into a whole new world, a whole new way of being the people of God. And I don't know these parents. This baby's born on the cheap side of town. These, look, these, this couple, they're basically peasants. They don't have any money. They don't seem to have any connections. This, is a no, this kid's a nobody born in a house that's for nobody. How is this person supposed to be God's great leader? And it's supposed to be like everyone's supposed to know, but the only people here that are announcing this great ruler, it's like the most awkward newborn encounter ever. It's the parents and a bunch of dudes that they don't know all just staring at a baby. Super awkward. How is this supposed to be the great king we've been waiting for hundreds of years and we're the ones who were here for it? And they're the ones, that's it? It's just shepherds and them? None of it made sense. This wasn't what it was supposed to be like. This isn't what God is supposed to be like. This isn't how it was supposed to work out. And I couldn't comprehend it. But fortunately, that wasn't my job. I didn't need to understand it perfectly. All I, got to, all I had to be able to do was just tell a really good story. And fortunately, as a shepherd, I had years preparing for that, trying to craft that around a campfire, so that's exactly what we all did. To save this poor couple from having to look at us any longer, we say, like, thank you very much, and then we awkwardly leave, and then we make our way through the town, knocking on every door, telling this great story of what we'd seen and what we've heard, telling everyone, guys, listen, the time has come. God is moving. God is here. The Messiah, that chosen one, the one we've been longing for, has finally arrived, but just prepare yourself. It's not going to look like how you expect it will. So I'm 28 years old, and so far I've had 28 Christmases now. And my dad was a pastor, and so we went to church way too much. And we heard the Christmas story way, 
way too often. So I feel like I've heard this story over and over and over and over again. And I'm sure many of you guys are the same. Hey, every year we gather around and we hear the same story over and over again. And that's great. It's great to be reminded of the story. It's great to enter into it. But the thing is, when you hear it so often, you can begin to forget what the most important parts are. We, begin, we can focus on different areas that we like, or we just listen to the story as a whole, and we forget some of the meanings or the depth or the richness behind it. And I know this is so true for me. You hear the Christmas story, and you're like, oh, yeah. And we have different responses. Some of us would be like, yep, it's cool. Jesus is the great gift for humanity. We give gifts to each other. Jesus came. Jesus is God's gift to us. Gift, gift, gifts. Yay, that's nice. That's cool. And that's great. That is a great understanding. Or some of us would be like, yeah, Jesus is born. This is important because we know Jesus has got to die so that we can all get to heaven. And so if Jesus isn't born, he can't die. So this is the great intro to the more exciting part. So we can all get to heaven. That story is the beginning of how we all get saved and get our salvation, right? Like, it's another common way we understand the story. But I don't think that's how anyone who would have first heard the story would have actually heard it. See, this Christmas story, when you look at it fresh, if you try to peel back the layers of tradition and things we put on top of it, when you first look at it, Christmas does this one thing. It reminds us that God is very, very different from what we expect. Anyone who would have heard that story would have been sitting there thinking, this does not add up. I've had a great picture in my head of what God would be like, and that story does not fit it. Nothing about that story fits it. And Jews would have been that way. Jews very much had this idea of God, great, big, holy, mighty, majestic, pure, and clean. The nativity story is none of those things. It's dirty. It's awkward. It's poor. It's dealing with unclean people. It happens in a really small way that all the important people don't hear about it until much, much later. You know, and Romans and Greeks, they would have had this idea of what gods are like. Gods are powerful. Gods are a means by which we can conquer the world. Like Romans sacrificed to God so that they could go and conquer more. God equals power. And this story didn't make any sense to them either. If God is supposed to be powerful, then why on earth would he be this weak, fragile baby born to poor people? didn't make any sense to anyone. God does not look like God. God's supposed to be what we imagined him to be. Both Jews, Greeks, Romans, everybody was confused. Maybe God was supposed to be angry and ready to smite all of humanity for all their terrible sins. Like God is just ready to be like, bye-bye humans. But that's not the story we find in these pages of scripture. Instead, you find this, the angel saying, do not be afraid. I'm bringing you good news that will cause great joy for all of humanity. Their song echoed over and over again, glory to God in heaven and peace and goodwill to all those on earth, to the humans whom he dearly loves. God was not angry and furious waiting to punish everyone. God was filled with love for his people wanting to free them from the oppression that they faced. And it was so, so different. And so one of the things that I love about Christmas is that we all come to it from very different places, eh? Like, even in this room, there's going to be those of us who are, like, super Christian, eh? Like, we are here every Sunday. We're often doing something through the midweek. We do Bible studies. We're, like, grade A Christians all the time. And Christmas does the same thing to us as it does to someone who might come here, and you're not necessarily interacting with church much. You might not be a person of faith. You might be here because your family's asked you to be, or you might be here because you're like, oh, it's Christmas. I guess this is what I should do. Christmas is wonderful because it puts all of us right on the same playing field. It reminds us that God is different from what we expected, and that's probably a good thing for all of us. 
for all of us. Because we all often have these ideas of what God is like. God must be like this, or God must be like that. He's probably angry, or he just likes important people, or he just wants to be with us in the good times. We build up these images of what God is like. The nativity story, the story of Christmas, just wipes that whole slate clean and says, do you want to know what God is like? Here's the very first story we can tell you about him. God deeply loves humanity. If we think God is just obsessed with power, a means of control, we actually see God most fully shown in the arms of a weak, helpless baby, born to two poor peasants who were at the whim of the great world powers. They were on the fringes of the empire. And that's, who the, that's the people that God identifies with. If you think you have to be clean or perfect to come to God, that you have to have all your ducks in a row and you need to say a few Hail Marys before you pray, well, actually, this story removes that too because God, you find him dirty and bloody, covered in mucus, lying in a feeding trough for animals. God enters into the dirtiest places that we are, and he identifies with us in that place. God comes close to us even at our worst and our weakest. And the great hope of Christmas is that this young baby, this young person ends up being the one who lifts us up all out from that. And he ends up saving, he becomes this ruler for Israel, But his picture is so much bigger than just freeing Israel from the Romans. He's actually freeing all of humanity from the power of sin and death, leading us into a whole new world. See, God is so much different than we all expect. And that's probably a really good thing because he's a lot better than any of us could have ever imagined. So if I can ask the team to come out. We're going to finish with one more carol today. But I hope you are encouraged. For those of us who are here in church all the time, be encouraged of a story of a God who is so good, who comes so close to us, even when we are far from him. And if you come into church for the first time in a while and not necessarily on board with this whole faith thing, maybe you be encouraged to know that God doesn't fit within our boxes. And God is so much greater and more loving and more gracious than we could have ever imagined. Let's pray. Jesus, today, as we celebrate your coming, we're so glad that you're different from what we expected. Jesus, it's so wonderful that you didn't just show up in some palace born to another king and did the same thing that every other king had done before you. Jesus, we're so glad that you showed us a whole new way to be human, that as you identified with the very least of us in the dirtiest places where we exist, And the very worst of our humanity, thank you for coming to that place because it's from there that you bring us all to a place of light and hope and freedom. Jesus, would you help us to break down the boxes we often put you in, the safe little containers we like to hold you in that fit our own worldview. Jesus, would you this Christmas tear those apart and remind us that you are so much bigger and greater than we could have ever hoped and help us to know you as you are, our great risen King who has come to us. In your name I pray. Amen.